0: is what
1: twenty two. So I mean, this team has a bright future, and I think if you you know
0: if, if uh Jim Fitzgerald can put in the pieces, I mean, it's a playoff team easy. Play. Right? When you have a captive audience, it's just a race to the bottom. We don't care. You're coming here whether you like it or not because you live in the zip code. I can't fire any of these teachers because they're tenured. There's no. just generalized malaise. Nobody campaign. To- you think that they're doing poorly? That they could do better?
1: We are live on the Doug Saravo Show, which is brought to you by Stutz Betting, bet like Michael Lepore. We have a special guest with us today, Dan Francisco. Dan, how are you today?
0: Dude, I was impressed with that little intro with the clip from us in East Brunswick. Did you just slap that together? Yeah, like 20 minutes ago. That was awesome, man. That was the day that I met you.
1: Yeah, I think that was October...
0: It was... was... It was 2020. It was yeah. the fall of 2020, right before the election, and that's when they kept doing the uh, Route 18 in East Brunswick, all the flag waving protests. Um, you guys had some like counter protesters across the street a couple of times. Yeah, the that cops was were fun. called. Yeah, yeah, we did a bunch of videos there. That was very, very interesting. Yeah, that was fun. Great times. So let's
1: get it started. You are running for Congress, I heard
0: yeah man uh we're uh, running for congress in the fourth district which is monmouth and ocean county i'm a monmouth county guy grew up here uh live here in english town i'm a councilman in english town uh so my uh my wife works in ocean in monmouth county you know this is just like Part of our existence, part of our background, uh, everything that I know and love is in this area. So yeah, Fourth District. Have a, a fun announcement that probably come out in the next couple of days, which I'll we'll have to wait, unfortunately. But there's going to be a lot of action in Monmouth County, and uh, stay tuned. Uh, if you want to follow along, hit uh, hit up Twitter. Go to at DFrancisco7. That's my handle, and you can follow the antics as we as it unfolds.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of antics in po- in politics, as we know. And we both kind of agree with everything that's going on in politics. But for some reason, there's a lot of people in today's world that feels like we have to like respect the government and like whatever they say goes. Why do you feel like this younger generation has no problem with the government
0: overreach? i mean they've they've had neither side really has a problem with government overreach. That's the irony. I think it's a matter of degree. I think it's a matter of scope or uh location or, or place and time. I could make an argument for you know how Republicans love government in many ways, but um it's it's somewhat generational, it's somewhat political, it's largely cultural um but government has essentially become a surrogate for your father, your mother. It's become a nurturing presence. It's become something that nourishes you, that protects you. Again, this is all in theory, right? Not in reality. Mm -hmm. But in theory, it it acts like a mother and a father. And that's a very powerful emotion, right? And, And it's something that people often don't understand is that, like. Politics is as much about culture as it is about uh, R and D, red and blue. It has very little to do with ideology. Um, you can find hypocrisy on all sides of uh, of the aisles. Oh, for but, sure. Yeah, man. But it's 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 about a powerful emotion and culture, and like kind of like you know you met me by proxy of. Being at an event where I was there from as, as Blue Star Union, right, as the nonprofit, yeah. we're covering these protests. And the argument that I always make with my friends is that culture is more important than politics, right? And uh, you can establish community, establish networks, um, support networks, um, it, things that can actually act as a line of defense for yourself and for your family and for your friends uh, in a way that the government never can and in a way that's way more powerful, way more tangible. And that's exactly and precisely in a way, the way the mechanisms in which the government tries to break that apart, right? So like public school is one big way in which that happens. Um, academia, um, I could even argue, make arguments about police, right? Uh, civil rights, gun rights, right? Everything is about saying, You as an individual cannot be trusted to take care of yourself. You are too stupid, too dangerous. Um, You are not something that can be trusted with power and authority and respect only something privileged and intelligent and better than you like a government agent or government entity should have power should have wealth should be able to distribute resources right um that that's sort of the entire argument between like austrian economics and and you know statists right it's like the individuals empowered in the austrian school whereas uh keynesians uh you know people that support big government think that the state should have power and control your life so yeah man you can make parallels all day um people like to do this this like sort of heuristic thing where they say oh it was different in my day and i'm like yeah was it really i mean in the 1960s you you had a lot of crazy it's a lot of the parallels going on right now you have proxy wars with soviet countries right you had an increasingly progressive social agenda coming out you you could draw a lot of parallels to today from 50 years ago um but yeah man it depends how you want to slice the cake
1: Yeah, and like in the beginning, I would say I was like a Republican, you know, I have those like conservative values. But like the more all this goes on, I truly I hate the two party system. (laughs) These career politicians are going to stay there no matter what. So like, I consider myself more like a libertarian. I'm joining you guys. So how do we how do we take on the establishment and get more people to vote for a third party, libertarian party, green party, whatever it may be, and you know what? Take back our country.
0: Yeah, I look, as someone who's running for public office, I'll actually tell you that I don't think that's necessarily the best way to win, you know, the cultural battles that you're talking about. Um let's put it this way. Um in New Jersey, right? Let me like make a very easy parallel. Like it's just the mathematical reality that Democrats control the legislature. You're not going to pass, uh, say like constitutional carry next week ever. It's just not going to happen. It's not a, it's not, it's, it's not a a philosophical problem. It's an arithmetic problem, right? You just don't have the votes. It's it's not going to occur. Uh, I would argue that you stand to benefit, uh, way more from finding 10 progressive leaning friends or Central for us, you know centrist type friends, and say, "Hey, have you ever shot a gun before? No, let me take you out to my private range I'll let you shoot some of my guns I'll show you you know good safety practices I'll show you the basic rules of gun safety, and we'll go shooting and I'll demystify this entire process for you now I don't know, man, if you've ever done something like that, that's the kind of realm that I play in from uh, activist standpoint. I'm a big firearms rights supporter um, that in and it of itself, has a way more exponential impact pol- on politics and culture than politics. Or, or Rather say, than democracy, right, which is the operative word that I think you're getting at. Um, if, if, if I convince 10 people and you convince 10 people to go shoot a gun and they go, oh, this wasn't that scary thing that uh, Piers Morgan and uh, uh, Don Lemon and all of these CNN broadcasters were telling me was uh, killing babies and you know, gonna cause chaos if we had these things in my hand. If you, if you take people out and expose them, if you ask any behaviorist, any psychiatrist, what do you do to overcome a fear? Exposure, right? Like expose mm-hmm. yourself to it in increments until your body and your mind are used to it. Instead of arguing with 10 statists who live in an environment in which their schools tell them that guns are bad, their family tells them that guns are bad, their friends tell them that guns are bad, the rock bands they listen to tell them that guns are bad, pop culture tells them that guns are bad. Everything is working against you, right? So the only thing, rather than going to Trenton and trying to like hold up a sign saying legalize constitutional carry, go take out 10 friends and go shooting. I guarantee you that out of those 10 that maybe would have never touched a gun before, I guarantee you three or four of them are now converted to your ideology because they lived it right? They saw like, oh, these people aren't rednecks and and racists and all of these dumb tropes that progressives tend to think about gun rights type people. They'll go to a range and say there was a black guy, there was a woman, there was an Hispanic, there was an Asian, there was short, tall, fat, skinny, all different kinds of people. And more than likely, if you've been to a range, they were probably offering their guns to you to try for free and offering you advice and realizing they're actually quite warm, convivial people. So it's, it's, it's culture Culture is the way that you win these political battles. It's the inverse of what most people tell you. They'll say, uh, hey, if you want uh, gun rights, you need to vote in more Republicans. Okay, well, we just had a governor, uh, gov- a gubernatorial candidate last year who ran for governor on the platform that he wasn't endorsed by the NRA, that he didn't want c- carry for all individuals in the state. And he was basically a gun control you know, type person just with an R next to his name so what's democracy getting you it's getting you that right it's getting you cultural compromise not cultural victory so i think culture and the entire premise of blue stadium is that culture is superior to politics and if you really want to move the needle on political type issues take over the culture and there's one individual um, who's 10 years now deceased it's crazy to think about it who knew this more than anyone and that was andrew breitbart And I don't even necessarily agree on everything with Andrew Breitbart, but he understood that tenant more than anything, that culture was supreme. If you dominate culture, the Overton window will follow in your favor.
1: So how do we get more people towards that? Because it seems like if LeBron James says something, oh my God, he's correct. I got to listen to this guy.
0: I mean, there's there's different ways. I mean, uh, first of all, it's 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 living the reality yourself. Right so uh, it, it's it's very easy to pontificate about stuff and most people that are call themselves progressive right what are they doing online they're putting up a black square for BLM they're putting up a Ukrainian flag for this the war in uh, in Crimea and then they're they're talking about uh, gay rights in June they're on like the seasonal calendar of outrages right yeah they don't actually do anything right yeah, they don't
1: actually care <laughs> they just follow what's going on
0: no i mean are they like <laughs> are they in like Africa where like, or, or, or in third world countries where women are being stoned? Like, are the feminists there like helping them? Are they helping no. the gay men in Iran that are being pushed off of rooftops and murdered? N- they don't actually care about any of this stuff. Are they, are they giving charity to the poor? Of course not. They're demanding that the government steal your money so that they, so that the state can be charitable with your wealth to these, uh, pr- you know, to these victim classes. They never actually do anything. So, again from uh to answer your question the way to victory is not there's there's no it's much like exercising and losing weight there's no magic pill right you can't just like take a pill and drop 50 pounds and look fantastic it's just like working out if you want to change culture build a culture around yourself of your values right so marry someone that you trust that shares your values have children with them bring up a healthy, loving home, and share those values with your children, and that will permeate outward from you. And if you get a bunch of people to live that way and control their own little fiefdom, that ends up having like an exponential uh, impact on culture. And then, you know, proselytize it, and there's many ways to do that. Here's one way right now, what we're doing right now, right? There's an audience yeah. of people watching this being exposed to what we're saying that may not have heard stuff like this before. But the, the, the first and most important thing is to live your values <laughs> and share them with your family and your offspring. That's the most effective thing in the long term. You do that for a generation and you can change uh, an enormous community.
1: So you've been on the ground, you've been on the field, you're hearing what people are saying. Are there a lot of people that are like leaning more towards where we stand?
0: Well, it depends. You're going to have to be more specific. What do you mean by what we stand for? Because in some ways, yes, in some ways, no. Like
1: liberty, freedom, um, rights.
0: So I would argue there's a lot of Republicans that don't want some of those things. Uh, (laughs) If I were to tell you, um, let's stick with guns. If I were to tell you, hey, uh, there's... um, Class three licenses and tax stamps for particular types of weapons, attachments, uh, machine guns, stuff like that. If I were to tell your average Republican politician in the New Jersey State Legislature that I want to abolish the NFA, I want to abolish every, you know, the, the, every gun act in the federal government, I want to abolish all the gun laws in New Jersey, and I want everybody to be able to carry a fully automatic uh, M4 walking around the streets of Newark, I guarantee you, I guarantee you not a single Republican would say yes to that, okay? But one could very easily make the argument that the Constitution protects that. And um, in fact, there are states where uh, you you can carry around a rifle in public, right? And it's perfectly legal. Um, so it depends what you mean. Um, there, there, The word liberty has become so corrupted that it's become like what I think, or like when I say I, I mean the speaker, not myself. It's like what the individual thinks is liberty, which to somebody else is not um but i think you have to it's important to be precise with your language when we say stuff like that um i think that there is a generalized cultural anger uh from the retail like republican right in this moment uh they're demoralized by the trump loss they're demoralized by watching you know Biden's objectively just a horrendous, a horrendous person. He's been his entire life. It's not, it's not the last 12 months that taught me this. If you've been paying attention, you'd know he's a horrible man and a, and a horrible Statesman at that. But yeah, there is like sort of a a, a generalized discontent right now on the right that I think is at a fever pitch. I think you'll probably see gains, you know, from, for the Republican party in the midterm year. But one thing Republicans are historically great at doing is uh, riding the pendulum swing in their favor and then doing nothing with it, right? So it's like, can you point to like, what what did Republicans get in their waves in say 2010, right? The midterms for Obama with the Tea Party uh, movement. What landmark civil right victory do you remember from that? I really, I can't recall. That's because there was none. In fact, they gained power right after the like, on uh, culturally the unpopular ACA and they successfully picked off Republican congressmen and senators to vote for it. And subsequent, subsequently, there have been many opportunities to gut it completely. It took until Trump and they still didn't gut it completely. They gutted certain key aspects of it. The Supreme Court refused to to gut it. George Bush, George W. Bush, Supreme Court pick is the one who justified it as a tax, right? So it's like the people that the right like elevates as these heroes, they fail them all the time. I mean, who could possibly defend something like the ACA yet? We're still living with the remnants of it, so the state, like, always grows, right It never actually retreats. It's always getting bigger, and people just pick their two, their flavor of government. They're like, "Do I want to cruise to progressivism at 100 miles an hour, or do I want to ride the speed limit with Republicans?" They're both going in the same direction, just one's going slower than the other.
1: Because yeah, I know people that like they consider themselves Republican, they voted for Trump and all, but they, they still. They're like, oh, guns are bad. You know, guns kill people. We gotta get them off the streets.
0: It's like they're confused in some aspects. Yeah, Trump was one of those people. Like that's the irony. Like Republicans just lie to themselves because they they play the same identity politics and and tribal warfare that Democrats play, but then they laugh at them and attack them and call them snowflakes when they do the same exact thing. Like mm-hmm. Trump openly said he wanted to take guns from people and adjudicate them later right red flag laws he was like a staunch uh, supporter of that. And he said that at a round table with, I think Chuck Schumer, I think that's who he said it to Chuck Schumer is like one of the biggest scumbags in, in in our entire Congress. And he was like cheering the idea of like not having due process in our courts and having people lose their firearm rights just by virtue of an accusation from a third party, which flies in the face of every American cultural ideal you could think of. So I mean, this happens from both sides, and it's just like you're a heretic if you call it out on the right. And, and look, it's very easy to like sit there and point at the left because uh, you know they are culturally like doing a lot of crazy, wacky stuff right now. But the right, um, in many ways, defends both the atrocities. Sides are the same. Yeah, they attract. They, they defend the same atrocities on the uh, on behalf of the state and curtailing your civil liberties and stealing your wealth. It's just a different degree of magnitude. So
1: why don't like more people see that and be like, it's we the two party system is a failure. We need more people to step up and vote for a third party. How can we get that to fail the two party system?
0: Well you could you could we could make a we could make a funny like analogy out of this right so you and I are both Devils fans right we both yeah. like hockey you got a nice Devils uh poster there a flag behind you right like who wins when the Devils play the Rangers right Not it doesn't matter who won the game. Like the owner of the arena wins because he takes our money. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. So like whether they lose, whether they win, like the Prudential Center always take my money. (laughs) Right. It's the same thing with politics, right? You you can vote blue, you can vote red. Like at the end of the day, they're sitting there making money doing these backroom deals like curtailing your liberty selling out to multinational corporations. Hey, let's go buy and bomb this country and Boeing and Lockheed and all of these defense contractors are going to make a ton of money. Um, it, there's so many analogies you, you could draw, right? So it's like, it's, It's not, a. the problem is people view this as a sport. It's a game. It's a tribal thing. My team, your team, black, white, you know, us versus them. It's not, right? The struggle, the way it should be painted, and the way that the left culturally used to paint this like 30 years ago, where they would have had my sympathy today, and they no longer, you know, behave this way whatsoever. The way it should be painted is the individual versus the state, right? Because that's, the ultimate, yeah, that's what it is. yeah it's the it's state them versus us. Yeah, it's it's them versus the individual though. Like right, as, as me and you as an individual, they steal your wealth. And I'd mean that literally and figuratively, they literally tax you and, and steal from you. They uh, spend money tremendously and print money with the Federal Reserve to devalue every single asset and American fiat dollar that you own. So by proxy, they're stealing from you in multiple ways. And then on top of it, Every year, their courts and their legislature justify new ways to curtail your civil liberties, whether that's a new gun control law, a speech law, um, whether that's local zoning law. There's a myriad of ways, state, local, federal, in which they uh, make your life worse. And then you you bend over and say thank you may I have another or else I'm going to jail right like the, mm-hmm. so it's it's not about tribe um, now look does that mean that I think like ah oh, it's you know you should just do nothing like no like hey I'm here talking about this I'm obviously running in a particular party I am running as a Republican um, but that does not mean that I like blindly just go oh everything Republicans do are always right and I will never criticize anything any other Republican ever says that's absurd like it's a patent ridiculous thing to say um we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't apply that sort of logic to anything else in our lives like hey every garbage man is a good person well no some of them are bad like some of them steal i'm sure some of them you know hit people whatever we couldn't we couldn't live with this like sort of philosophy in any other context i don't know why we do it with politics but yeah, man, this is what people get caught up in, and it's because this is what they've been taught their whole lives. It's this tug of war, and the pendulum swings, and it's, it's very easy and safe and comfortable. It's almost like sucking on a pacifier to just say, oh, the Democrats are the bad guys. Oh, the Republicans are the bad guys. They're the reason for all my problems. No, man, the reason for all our problems is we don't assert ourselves to the state, and the state abuses us. That's the real game. Because.
1: Mm-hmm, I was watching on Netflix Trump, the American dream, and he even it was the, it's a four part series him as a businessman to politics. And he even said it in order to win in politics, you would have to either run as a Republican or a Democrat. And that's that's the worst part is that the two party system will probably always be there.
0: Yeah. Washington didn't want a two party system. Um, and it becomes a consolidation of power. So you're almost forced culturally. Like, look, I, I, I have, I'm very good friends with a lot of people in the libertarian party. Um, they, they've run campaigns. There's people I know running as Republicans now that ran as libertarians before. And at the end of the day, like I, I love the people that are there, but they're never going to win like a statewide race ever. You're I mean, Who's to say never, but I highly doubt ever a a Libertarian Party candidate is going to win any statewide office. And when I say that, I mean like a state senator, a state assemblyman, or even a federal position, congressman, uh, senator. It's just never going to happen because power is consolidated so uh neatly between these two tribes and i'm i'm sure you're familiar in like new jersey the way the the county committee process like picks candidates to be on the ballot with lines right so it's like you have to fight like a battle before you fight the battle in the primary and they already are picking and choosing who they're going to put on this neat line and then all these voters who don't even know who their congressman's name is will go in and just go right down the line and the person that the county picked basically is who the people end up picking by proxy. So it's complicated, man.
1: So how can we get our kids out of government schools?
0: That's easy. You just take them out. That's the easiest question in the world, especially if you live in New Jersey. I love Laguna for saying that. That's one of the things that I'm a huge advocate for. One of the things that um, I practice in my personal life It's like I said, you know, you got to practice what you preach. Um, the, the institutionally. If you wanted to help the liberty movement in say New Jersey, the m- number one most important thing, more important than voting, more important than legislation, more important than any pack, any individual running for office, the single biggest needle mover that you could perform on a sort of mass cultural level is to remove your children from government schools, because that is precisely the place where they learn their centralized form of thinking, where a centralized power, the government, indoctrinates them to 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 provide reverence and respect to the decorum of public school and if you look at public schools there's an immense similarity to prison it's it's the same thing they even look the same like look at a look at a picture of a prison lunchroom and a a picture of an elementary school lunchroom These like folded out wooden tables plastic trays uh, cinder block walls painted in gray like they are in a prison. There are police officers that guard schools, right. Uh, you are taught that if you disobey the teacher or speak out against them, you will be consequenced with detention or you know some sort of uh, punishment. It's literally run in a way in which you being a human and an individual and a free thinker and a free spirit is crushed and punished at an early age and then they do that for 18 years or whatever the fraction of 18 years that you're in public school by the time you're 18 and graduate you are a husk of a soul like you have nothing left and that's when you're perfectly primed to go to uh, you know undergraduate where they, bend you over uh, mentally even more and bend you to their will. So, I mean, if you really want to change culture, I mean, talk to someone with kids who don't go to public school and you'll see like an enormous difference. They often have a much higher maturity level and it's because they spend their day interacting with adults, living out adult-like situations. Um, And I'll, I'll give you an analogy that I always give when we talk about this. Think about the insanity of the fact that if a 14-year-old goes to a public high school, he gets put in this brick building, or he or she, and then there are police officers there with guns at the doors like there were in my high school, and if you try to leave, police officers and adults with uniforms literally will try and physically grab you and tell you to stay and pull you back in and punish you, right? But if that kid uh, at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock when that bell rings... They leave school and they go to Wawa or Quick Check or Target or Walmart or any other private business and they walk into Wawa. There is no one at Wawa that has the legal authority to assault that 14 year old and force them to stay inside that store. Like, think about that. That's a really deep, deep deep philosophical thought, right? That is not a shallow thing to just say wantonly and throw away. School is a prison. The child doesn't have a choice to leave that building. And we tell them you're too stupid till the age of 18 to speak for yourself, ration for yourself, and even to move freely for yourself And you cannot leave this building or a police officer or security officer with a weapon will assault you and we will defend that abuse, that physical and mental abuse. But yet when I'm anywhere else in the course of the other 24 hours of the day, even on public property, no one can legally put their hands on a 14-year-old. No one. How is it and, and in life doug like when we walk around as adults who is lawfully allowed to just put their hands on us for no reason nobody no one is yeah how do we prepare children for adulthood if we treat them like prisoners Right? You, you are teaching them to be a mental slave. That is the point of public school. It's a Prussian model from the 1800s to indoctrinate kids to be slaves and subservient to an authority figure. And in the case of public school, the authority figure is the government. That's why they rationalize and push all of their cultural battles and their cultural inculcations that progressively get more and more dramatic the trans conversations the gay rights conversations the the economic conversations the marxist stuff all the things that like social conservatives would criticize all of that gets pumped and injected into your child's mind in that government building while men with guns guard them from being able to leave that's a prison my friend that's not school right? That's a mental and physical prison for your body and mind. So that comment is fantastic. Like it's absolutely true. Anywhere else a kid is allowed to be treated like a human. What if we had a place where if a kid didn't want to sit in the room, they got to leave, they had some choice, or maybe the family, the parents made a decision about where the kids should be, or maybe they can homeschool or private school or do a pod or read books. Let's be honest, man. Most education these days can be done online. I I think- Uh Dude, I think academia and like higher education as we know it is not going to exist in the same fashion in 20 years. You're insane to go drop $50,000 a year for some teacher to teach you like lesbian basket weaving 201, right? It's a waste of time and it serves no value in the real world. Much like most of the things you learn in public school. It's it's not to make you a well-rounded, free-thinking human. It's to make you a subordinate, uh, linear slave that repeats the dictums and the mantras that the state wants you to.
1: Well said. Yeah, because my brother, he, he's been out of high school for, what, three years now? All he does is read books, doesn't believe in college because he could, he could <laughs> learn it on his own. I mean, he wants to hopefully make it a professional in ice hockey, but he's he doesn't care about college because they all teach you the same. They brainwash you. They don't teach you what you want to learn. Because they have that uh, agenda they want you to get your brain into. Yeah. Then, it, go ahead, say what you want to say, and I'm gonna uh, choose a topic.
0: No, I was just gonna say where where where's your is your brother playing right now?
1: Right now he's just playing in like a men's league because he he wasn't in a trial for a team then COVID happened and all that bullshit.
0: Yeah, it's nonsense, man. Yeah. That ruined a lot of kids' lives. That's gonna have a lot of like developmental effects, psychological mm-hmm. effects. It's forget like what it does to children, which is innumerably bad. Even adults, man. Like, I see people now still wearing masks. Like, they still believe this, this, like, yeah, like this why fairy you wearing tale. A
1: mask?
0: Dude, the governor today was with the St. Peter's basketball team, right? The college team. They're all wearing masks. Like, you're running around, uh, exerting yourself physically amongst the healthiest, in shape, like, 19- and 20-year-olds, and these people, all of these men are wearing masks, like... It's mental insanity. And, like, the people who were speaking against this a year ago, two years ago, they were zealots. They were silenced, banned from social media, treated like they were lepers. Now it's, like, everyone's cool. Like, oh, yeah, that was ridiculous, right? It's, like, what are you talking about? You all believe this nonsense for the last two years. And then they were in their car by themselves. like. Dude, it's, like, I went from, like, saying, oh, the person's just an idiot to just, like, you're, like, disdain. Like... I can't believe – <laughs> this is why like, people who raise kids and then they send their kids to, to be with those people in those schools, right? Because they're that, they're that like naive. like They don't understand these parameters and like the reality of these things. So it's, it's, it's a struggle, man, against the state. It's always a struggle. Yeah.
1: Well, my mom used to say back in her day, their parents would send their kids out who had chicken pox to play with the kids that had chicken pox so they could get it <laughs> and have immunity from it. They didn't wear a mask.
0: Yeah, I remember. Like my f- sister and I both got chicken pox when I was like twelve or uh, no, I was like ten or eleven. I remember my mom was like, "Good, good. You need to get it, too. <laughs> same same thing, man." But yeah, dude, it's like we 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 infantilize people, right? And uh, we infantilize children. We inf- and we treat them like prisoners. Like I told you, the analogy with schools. We infantilize adults, right? So it's like, look at the ACA. Oh, now you can be on your parents' insurance till you're mandated to be. You're mandated, if you choose to, to be on your parents' insurance until you're like 26. And then we take grown adults, and they're like, oh, if you just keep having kids out of wedlock and you keep making horrible financial decisions, the government will bail you out. We'll give you, you know, benefits and welfare and all All of this is like part of infantilizing the soul of the individual and turning them into slaves, right? You, you will mm-hmm. obey because the government is benevolent. Have you ever seen the movie 300? No, but that's the, uh, the Trojan movie, right? Uh, it it has to do with like the or the Troy? battle of Th- the battle of Thermopylae and the Spartans against the Persians right and and Xerxes like says like I am I'm a generous god I'm a benevolent god right and he wants people to to uh, bow to him in exchange for being slaves he won't kill you and he'll bestow you with wealth and you can join his army and his legion of of people followers so it's like yeah you you get um, you get some trinkets thrown at you in exchange for becoming someone else's slave. And that's what all of this is based on, man. It's to infantilize people and get them addicted to the drug that is government.
1: Oh, yeah, too many people like that. And none of the restrictions or guidelines made sense. Like, you could go to a restaurant but have the mask on, but once you sit down, the virus disappears. <laughs> or even you go to, like, church, and while the, preach, while the priest is standing up, he has the mask on, but then when he's reading, takes it off. It's like it don't make sense. The,
0: the the restaurant thing is the most infuriating. I could share some personal stories, but so I got so angry at the height of this stuff that I intentionally started avoiding any business that would uh, curtail my ability to walk around freely. So I basically stopped going anywhere. Like I, I would go to only the businesses that where I had friends who didn't care if I was unmasked. Like I stopped going to Target and I wasn't buying it online either. I was just like, I'm done with you. I don't need anything. I will go get essentials like food where I can from the smaller grocers if possible and then for eating out. And if they bothered me, I just would not go there. And that's why I always hung out at Mayetta's, my my very good friends here in English Town. And we did so many events with Blue Star there. And it became like this cheers situation where people found out they could go there and nobody would bother them. And you had this like diverse group of people like having these great conversations, arguments, like philosophical discussions, all unmasked at the height of COVID in a, in a pizzeria restaurant and like having drinks, sharing stories, and it'd be buzzing at like one o'clock in the afternoon, right? Because pe- everyone was home, every business was closed, you couldn't work, people were unemployed, and this just became like a cultural hub. And this goes back to my conversation about why culture is more important than politics, right? All of these people had slightly different political opinions. They all became like very much homogenized against these curtailments of liberties, and were able to articulate it because they were with each other, right? And they saw the absurdity. They're like, "Everything I'm being told is a lie. I'm sitting here every day with people. We all got sick. Like everyone got COVID, and everyone was fine. And and we're just like, I'm still gonna hang out here. It doesn't matter. I think I had it. I don't know. I think I did. Dude, the funniest is the people who don't get tested. Like if if you weren't told to get tested, you'd never know. More yeah, than you likely. You just go, oh, I have a bad cold or I have the flu, which I get the flu once every couple of years. Like it sucks and you get over it like it is what it is. Now, does this mean that like, if you have some really, really bad health conditions, like you shouldn't take precautions? Sure, like go ahead. But it's like also the biggest indicators of you having issues, are you being generally unhealthy for a succession of other things? So it's like, take care of those things, right? Like you'd be better off during that year, like going running or lifting or doing something to actually make your body healthier Mm -hmm. than like shoving all these drugs in your body, which don't solve the underlying problems, right? So it's all about government lying to you, man. Look at it now, they're rolling back all of the CDC death numbers, particularly with children. They're like, oh, it was a coding error. Bullshit. Like, they, they just made up these numbers to, to make everything sound dramatic. It, it, so it was, to, it was to manufacture your consent to shut down your businesses and uh, bail out, well, not bail out, but print money to give to pharmaceutical companies to inject an experimental drug in your arm. That's all it was. Do you think if President Trump wasn't
1: in office, this would have happened? Or do you think this was already planned? It
0: happened with Trump in office. See, this is like the this is the other thing. When did we get shut down? It was Trump. He was the one that shut down the country those first two weeks, the two weeks to flatten the curve, the federal curtailments. Who put project warp speed? That was Trump, right? Giving this FDA approval with uh, for emergency authorization was Trump's uh, White House. So it's like uh, people have this like short memory. They're like, "Oh, this was all Biden's fault." Like it's both of them, man. Like if I was Trump, like you could have just federally not done anything. He purposely went and shut down a bunch of stuff and gave all of these pharmaceutical companies the green light to go and start this process. Gave them tons of money, which he printed, which. All of this inflation that we're experiencing now, like that's part of it. And, and again, a Republican, I'm a Republican, quote unquote, saying this to you. I'm much more extreme political opinions than that of a Republican. But any Republican who tells you this is Biden's fault and not Trump's is lying to you. It's it's all of them, right? Like, is one maybe doing things? In a worse fashion, sure, but they both did it. Like they both printed money ridiculously. They both spent a ton of money prior to COVID. I mean, Trump uh, uh, printed as much money as Obama did in in eight years. So it's like, it's very easy to just like label things and then be like, oh, I'm done. Like it it was it was happening on both sides. I could actually argue like if Trump had taken a firmer stance and not given into this stuff, why didn't Trump fire Fauci? He could have gotten rid of him. Why he could have, he? but I think he was afraid. <laughs> so for the guy who's so tough and so brazen and so mean, <coughs> excuse me, why didn't he fire this guy? all right? Like, why is this unelected bureaucrat setting an agenda for an entire country, a prescription of regulation that is bankrupting businesses? Literally breaking up families, causing them to go into bankruptcy, mental health down the drain, um, physical ailments, people with cancer missing treatments, people who wanted to get preventative treatment couldn't get scanned. Like That has an enormous snowball effect, and it all started under Trump. Right. Like, and, and again, don't get me wrong. Like the Democrats are like way bigger hypocrites. I remember in Chinatown in February of 2020, I remember in San Francisco, Nancy Pelosi walking arm in arm with like Asian uh, I citizens. Too. I, I remember De Blasio walking arm in arm with Asian people in Chinatown in downtown Manhattan. And they were like, ah, oh, this isn't a big deal. There's nothing going on. here." meanwhile, they're all offloading their positions in the market <laughs> un- unbeknownst to the public. And then all of a sudden the market tanks because everything shuts down and there's been a colossal impact on on businesses new jersey has had one third of small businesses go bankrupt that's an enormous percentage man like do you know how many people's lives have been ruined by that it's 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 hard to really define like how the kind of impact that has and even on a smaller level like i don't know if you notice this where you live man but like restaurants They used to be open to like 1 or 2 a.m. If they had a bar all the time, like even on a Tuesday, they're all open to like 11 now, like hours have contracted. People aren't working because it's more profitable to just get unemployment with all these stimuluses that stimuli that were passed. This had an enormous negative impact on our state and, and federal governments, man. And on our culture, it's, it's worse than people make it out to be. And the blame game is stupid, man. Both sides do it, right? Like I, I applaud people like at least like DeSantis who at least like said, all right, we're done. Like, I don't care what like schemes you come up with in, in Washington, we're just done. Like we're not listening to you anymore. And if you try and like come into our state and tell us what to do, we'll respond with our own guard. Like I, I applauded that. That like kind of made me happy, But still, every single government, state government went along with this in the beginning, man. so it's kind of hard for me to get mad at one person.
1: Yeah, but do you think this was
0: planned before Trump was even in office? You could, I mean, have you heard the stories about how um, there were blood transfusions, or blood uh, stored blood in banks that supposedly had the like Moderna sequence in like 2019? No, I don't know I if haven't. you. Yeah, there's, there's like, I, I, I can't substantiate it. I don't have yeah. the, I don't have the background to like authenticate this type of information. But supposedly, like scientists knew about, you know, this this sequence of these proteins and they found people's donated blood from three years ago that already had the sequence from the vaccines in them meaning like the actual virus like viral uh information was already stored in people's blood implying they'd already had been contracted years ago so it it existed and it just wasn't known which could be like it could just be a strain of flu that wouldn't have been a big deal otherwise, but that they propped up to be a big deal to cause this situation. And maybe it was caused to uh, mess with Trump. Maybe it was, Um, I don't know, man. It's just, if I were Trump, I would have been like, okay, we we see this virus, we don't get it completely, but do what you think is best in the meantime, here's some precautions, but to go and like react from a fiscal standpoint and from a civil rights standpoint to close everything, I find it hard to get behind that.
1: Yeah cuz that's that's something I never understood because you, when you know Trump and how he speaks I'm surprised that he trusted people that basically hated him like who Fow- whoever it was and that he went along with all this the 15 the 15 days to slow the spread to a whole 2 years basically
0: Yeah and and it happened with guns it happened with fiscal policy um it happened a lot of ways like again every i'm saying all of this in a, in a vacuum i'm not implying that i think one is equal to the other in severity but in some ways it was right so it's like I, I don't i don't do the tribal thing right if i see something i disagree with i'm gonna say it and um i don't subscribe to the people that just point the fingers at the other side of the fence
1: yeah that's how things don't get done it's yeah. a playing game
0: yeah, Thomas Massey is probably, if I had to pick, like, one congressman that I most ally with, it's probably Massey. Um, I think he's been very fair with his takes. Um, he is, if you see his quote tweets now from, like, two years ago, he's quoting himself saying, like, ah, I was the one telling you this all along, like, blah, 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 blah. Um, I admire him a lot. I, I, have, I have a lot in common philosophically with him. Um, but, dude, a lot of people dropped the ball during this whole process, and it, it, it had a bad impact on people. So why didn't they
1: leave it up to the people like you and I just to make our own decisions? If we if we feel uncomfortable, stay home. If we don't want to go to church, if we don't want to go to the supermarket, just stay home. Why was it have to be this government overreach and be like, all right, you're staying home, whether you
0: like it or not, because they don't let a crisis go to waste. Right. So it's an Mm -hmm. opportunity for them to centralize power. Um, 9-11 was an opportunity where they centralized power, right? The Patriot Act, all of these, uh, FAA, uh, reg- uh, regulations, um, security regulations. Like every time something bad happens, the government uses that as an opportunity to grab more power and centralize more authority. And COVID was just another way that they did that. Um, so it's, it's really not that deep. I mean, it's, it's a historical cycle. War is another way they do that, right? They distract you with war. They go and show the news on 24 seven, you know, here's us bombing Mm -hmm. this village or this town or this city. And you're like, oh, they're not, I'm not looking at all this other stuff they're doing now behind my back. So that's the entire nature, the predatory nature of government, man, is they always are centralizing power when you're distracted and they use those emergencies to play on your emotion and your fears to get you to voluntarily surrender more of that power to them
1: yeah and it's a, it's a sad situation right now. So I wanted to bring this up a while ago, and then we got into a conversation about uh, COVID and everything that happened under COVID. Why is it, Why does it seem like it's a problem within you know the school shootings that it happens more in public schools rather than private schools?
0: Um, I'm trying to think I guess that is historically accurate to my knowledge uh stoneman columbine sandy hook those all are public schools those are the big ones um it makes sense i mean where do shootings happen in urban cities they tend to happen like in the streets right in public Mm -hmm. domain um i always make this analogy about like where do you feel the most unsafe in a city it's precisely the place where the government has the monopoly of force and where they own the property, right? You feel unsafe in the alley. You feel unsafe on the street at two o'clock in the morning. You don't feel unsafe on the 10th floor of the hotel on that street at two o'clock in the morning because that's private property and they've developed an apparatus and a system of security, whatever that may be, to make you feel comfortable as a customer and to separate you from your dollars so that you patronize them, right? But as soon as I step out onto that sidewalk at two o'clock in the morning, I probably feel less safe in like say bed stuy brooklyn than i do on the 10th floor of a hotel in bed stuy brooklyn so i don't think it's because it's i think it's just because generally the apparatus that's controlling that environment is government they have a general indifference to your safety in fact they have a legal um indifference to your safety from the supreme and and, uh, district courts um warren versus dc in 1981 and uh castle rock v gonzalez in the supreme court in 2005 they've all arrived at the conclusion that the state has no legal duty to protect you namely police so i mean it's just the reality right they don't care about protecting you they legally don't have to protect you and why would they waste their time and resources on protecting you they just want your resources to achieve whatever ends they want to meet it 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 makes perfect sense that those things would happen in public schools and i you could you could just make a lot more simplistic less vague analogies. I'm sure private schools like have security or have some kind of system or scheme that they've conjured up um, in terms of security. If you go down South, like schools have guns, like armed security uh, that, that they may use. <clears throat> but again, like that entire model of like going to a brick building to learn is outdated and I think is gonna go away anyway, but that's just me.
1: Yeah. Now, if we were, cause I, I, I love watching your videos. If we were on a boardwalk beach right now, we wouldn't be able to do this interview. We would probably have to like use your phone or whatever it may be. So tell me about that situation—the one with uh, the cops. Yeah, when you were like interviewing,
0: uh, I think his name was Will, or I'm not uh, Will, right? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even know that that's his real name, but I, I don't think it is. But yeah, Will and I, I had met him for the first time. There was like a legit. I don't want to say, like, drug user, but a guy that seemed like he was under the influence of something. And he was talking to us. And the cops knew who he was, so there's three of us. And the cops purposely stayed away from us, like, 10 yards away, 15 yards away, and watched us but didn't interrupt us. And then they came over and told us, once the guy left, that me and Will had to stop filming or we would get a fine for, like, illegally filming without a permit or something. And I knew the Seaside Heights... uh, uh, their uh, ordinances, it specifically protected like filming, so long as it wasn't like a profit venture, right? Like, you know, Jersey Shore, the TV show, like MTV. And that's a nonprofit. I'm not profiting off of it. I don't make money off the videos. They're not monetized. It's just a nonprofit and a YouTube channel. I don't make any money off of it whatsoever. So um, I argued that to him that, you know, what's the difference? He's like, oh, you can't, that you can interview people. It's just the microphone that's the problem, is what he said, I think.
1: Isn't there a mic on?
0: Yeah, and I said, and I I made that analogy. I'm like, what if I just go around with my phone and, you know, ask people stuff? Or what about the people who are on Instagram or Snapchat, like snapping pictures of a seagull? (laughs) Yeah, like a seagull eating a french fry or a hot girl in a bikini or whatever. It's like they're recording sound and video and transmitting it. Like, what's the difference? And he's like, oh, it's not the same. It's like, all right, I'm... Just because you're stupid, I'm, this is me thinking about that cop and like, just because you're dumb and you can't follow like the logical progression of this, it's not my fault. Like, this is the same thing. It's free speech. Like you're not understanding. And then he kept saying this was private property, and it's not. Like the boardwalk in Seaside Heights is public property. So I, I have a, a freedom, and the First Amendment protects my freedom to peaceably assemble. It it protects my my freedom of speech, and it even protects my ability. The Supreme Court has protected my ability to, to film police and, and, and even people in public, so long as I'm in public and not harming anyone. So, like these people don't even know the law. And yeah, then they, both of
1: them had different answers.
0: Yeah. And one of them was a code enforcement guy and one of them was a cop. The guy that was in in a gray who was like to my left in the video was on my right. That was a code enforcement guy. The guy that was on my right on the video to the left was yellow. That was the cop. So I kept saying like, you're going to arrest us. And he's like, no, we will cite you. I said, for what? And he goes, oh, for filming without a per." He just kept repeating himself. And I go, who owns this property? And he goes, the, the, the borough. I'm like, the borough is the government. It's public property, man. It's not private property. He didn't, he didn't want to hear it. So eventually I was just like, I proved my point because it's recorded. So I got my little moral victory. I didn't feel like going to court. And uh, I regretted. I actually should have taken the ticket and then sued. That would have been more of a fun spectacle. But I was like, look, am I being detained? And he's like, no. I'm like, all right, see you later. And we left. Yeah, right? you you walked know? away. We walked away. But look, it's a good lesson. For people to understand like government agents are allowed to lie to you right they're allowed to misrepresent the truth they can tell you something is illegal that's not they can tell you you have to leave when you legally don't have to and it's up on you as an individual to know your rights and if you so choose to to stand up for them and that was an instance in which i pushed uh far enough to prove my point and prove that the cop didn't know what he was talking about And then you know when I realized we were at that juncture where he was going to consequence me, I was like, "All right, I'll see you later." And I got out, got out of it. But I hope it was a lesson, uh, you know, for people. Just like that's a silly thing, right? That's not important. That was like probably a hundred dollar ticket or something, right? But that happens with like family court, you know, domestic abuse, murders, theft, like stuff like that happens all the time with much more serious issues. So part of the group is you know to engage people on their civil liberties, and to have conversations with people in public office. Excuse me, my throat's a little dry. So you know that's part of the mission statement of the group, and that's what we do when we do those videos. I was there to interview Will, a guy who I had just met, and I shared a lot of rapport with, and we shared a lot of opinions, and then we were disagreeing on some stuff, so we had a great conversation, and I became friends with Will. I still talk to Will, I still text with him sometimes, and I had no clue who that guy was. Doug, I met you on the side of the road, right? Yeah. You know, here I am talking to you and I met you a year and a half ago, right? So Blue Star Union is like a phenomenal, beautiful thing because I've made friends and made relationships with people that I otherwise never would have met. And I'm I'm exposing people and they're exposing ideas to me. And we're all growing together and learning stuff and making new friends. That to me is the beauty of the organization. And that little clip with Will is like a perfect symbol of that, right? Because we got to witness a struggle between an individual and the government, and I thought it was like a safe PG-13 way of kind of showing the abuse that government can, you know, put upon you.
1: So do you think we are as divided as people think we are, or it's just, you know, that's what the media shows us?
0: Um, I don't think people, I, I, I do think there's a contingency of people that are brainwashed enough about certain issues that they're, in sal- that they're not salvageable from like a, uh, and I don't mean like from a sense of their soul, I mean from a sense of like trying to reason with them. But the solution to that is just like, don't interact with them, right? Like don't share um, power with them. And unfortunately, like what democracy does is force you to struggle for power with people who disagree with you, which is the entire like fallacy of this entire system. Whereas everything else we do in our life is voluntary, right? So like, let's say I'm gonna pick a random thing. Let's say you're a Christian and you're a particular type of Christian. Let's say you're a Baptist. You're gonna join a Baptist congregation because those people share your values and you're very likely not gonna have strife or disagreement with those people. You may go to lunch with them. You may have like play dates with your kids. You may even send them your kids to private school together with that par- or that congregation or that church. And it's because you share values and you voluntarily come together, right? But then like a Baptist may go home to their to their hometown and live next to a Satanist or I don't know, an atheist or some other thing. And you may have like disagreeing views and um, therefore like one person thinks abortion is immoral, one person thinks abortion is moral. And now you're fighting each other for power through this apparatus that controls all of you. And always, like, a a, a big portion of the people are unhappy with any singular decision. And at all times, an enormous majority is unhappy with some decision, right? So it's like, it's a losing proposition because there's not freedom of association. There's not voluntary association. It's conscripted (coughs) participation in a power struggle. And that's, that's the entire, like, fallacy of democracy for someone who's arguing against it. Um, but, that dude, that's a deep conversation that we could do a whole other podcast on, man. Oh,
1: yeah, for sure. Because I have friends that, you know, you could agree to disagree with. And then you have other friends who are like, oh, I don't want to talk politics. Like, this one friend thinks Trump was a dictator because uh, they ca- he called it the Chinese virus.
0: That's just, like, silly uh, cultural uh, outrage because yeah. of race stuff and whatever. I mean, again, like, that's... Look that this is what I mean, man. Think about that person, right? Think about how silly that statement is. That person cancels your vote out. That's democracy. uh-huh. Do you want to share if your block had to vote on some silly thing for your neighborhood, right? Ten people on a block, That person cancels your vote out. why? Why are we voting on rights, right? And it's like kind of like the anarchist position, like someone like Michael Malice would say the quotes the uh, paraphrase like My rights are not up for a discussion, let alone a vote. Right. So it's like we have to vote on things that you and I might think are like common sense. Like, why the hell is there a permit for a gun? I should be able to just carry a gun. But then all of my neighbors who are inculcated uh, with a different philosophy have power over me because they have more numbers than I do. It's crazy when you really think about it.
1: Yeah. My mom's, (laughs) my mom's cousin, we all, we all mess with her. We call her a liberal but she she's actually an anar- anarchist. She wants them all gone, and she believes in the power of love to get through politics, but it doesn't work that way.
0: I kind of like that message, man. That works for me. Yeah, it, it's a good <laughs> message, but in today's politics, that's not going to work. Um, It doesn't work in conventional retail politics. It can work in culture, though, like kind of the way I alluded yeah, it to can. before.
1: But yeah, this, this has been a good show so far. I, I like how we...
0: Conversate you don't have to worry about hosting and asking the questions (laughs) i told you man i've done this for two years now hosting and it's hard and i've interviewed like some really clever people i've interviewed people who were like maybe had a really important message but weren't great at explaining it um and then i interviewed people over very heavy issues that were really depressing and really sad and it's hard like keeping your emotion in check your, like, logical brain in check, keeping the show flowing. So, like, I know how hard what you're doing right now is, and uh, I appreciate it because hosting stuff is really, really difficult, and it takes a very particular personality to do it right.
1: Yeah, it does. There's something else I want to talk about. I don't don't remember what it was. What was it? It was in politics for sure. Um, What do you think about the job Joe
0: Biden's doing so far? (laughs) Uh, it's uh it's a disaster man it's what is there to say i mean <laughs> where 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 do you begin with someone like this um he's continuing this predatory spending spree right which is mm-hmm. going to destroy us financially each person individually and institutionally um he's warmongering right so he's like pushing for us to get involved in a proxy war with nuclear powers which is mentally insane um curtailing our our, our civil, li- civil liberties um he's dangerously curtailing our energy independence for no reason I mean dude the, he, he continued this um abusive uh civil rights tragedy of the covid you know narrative what is there to like man he we, we knew this is what was going to happen Um, This is a guy that like voted for the crime bill in the nineties and dropped, dude, he dropped the N bomb in Congress several times. And meanwhile, like everyone talks about how Trump is a racist. Like I can criticize some things about Donald Trump. Um, I don't think he's a guy who sits there hating people of a different color than him. The reason I know that is because he made a lot of them rich, right? (laughs) So it's like Uh he gave a lot of them jobs. And um, if you speak to the people who worked for him, like there are people that, of all stripes of life, were like, no, he was very generous to me, and I'll never say a bad word about him. So there's a lot of things you can criticize about him. Race is not the thing that, like, jumps to my mind, whereas with Joe Biden, it's like, he literally talked about, like, I believe he used the word Negro and not the N-word in this instance. I could be confusing it. He's talked about, like, how he didn't want them riding the same public buses as, like, his grandkids or something or his nephews. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, something like that. Dude, the, the, these guys are these guys are insane. Like, re- remember when he like not even that long ago, like remember Obama when he was like, uh, you have to have a slight Indian accent to go into a 7-Eleven or something yeah. like that. I mean, imagine just try to imagine Donald Trump saying that with the corporate press.
1: Yes. CNN. Everyone would be all over as
0: breaking news. They would annihilate him. And that's because the corporate press's job is to prop up the state and prop up statists and people that push their control that incremental control and so of course they will uh bandy like they will like coalesce and defend people like Biden like Obama um and they will attack people like Trump not because Trump uh is like a liberty fighter I don't think I don't even think that's what it is it's more because he dele- delegitimizes their decorum right so it's like the one thing, one of the things I loved about Trump is he didn't try to be cerebral and philosophical about things that didn't need philosophy. They just needed emotion. And one of, that, one of those things was the corporate press. My favorite thing that Donald Trump did, and he did it repeatedly, is he'd go in a room and he'd do this and he goes, look at all those scumbags back there. Look at CNN. They hate me. They're, you know, there's, there's the fake news, right? Like, God bless, God bless him for doing that, right? Like that's what people needed to hear. They needed to hear that the corporate press is the enemy of the American people and that they are there to prop up and empower the centralization of power in government. They're not there to hold government accountable. They're there to help government get bigger. And they have access to people and cocktail parties and events and scoops and sources by making sure that they keep propping up that power and lying about wars, lying about fiscal policy, lying about pandemics, all of the stuff that you've seen in the last two, three, four years, but they've been doing that for decades. Um, and the federal government you know, it p- pushes all of that. If you really you know, start, you don't even have to get conspiratorial. They've talked about that in congressional hearings. So it's, it's stuff like that where I respect Donald Trump because he didn't get like cerebral. He didn't get philosophical. He's just like, those people, they're evil and you should hate them. And he's right. And it's, it, it gave, that's the real reason the press didn't like him. It wasn't because Trump was doing things politically they didn't like. That's a small part of it. It's more because he let the, he kind of was like the Wizard of Oz pulling the curtain away. He was showing the public that these people were <coughs> scum mm-hmm. and that they're, they're illegitimate and they don't deserve your reverence because usually there's this like, Decorum in politics, decorum in corporate media. Where what's the fat guy that works for uh, CNN? The bald guy. Oh, what's his name? Uh, he looks like uh, Mr. Potato Head? Yeah, yeah. What's his name, man? I forget his name. Anyway, it's like that. It's like that guy was like, "Well, we without us, like you, you need us, and you should, and you should oh, go I... through us." You know, uh, it, it, things should come through us before you hear. it. it's, it's like that sort of like elitism is what people needed to to like be exposed to. They look down on you. They view you as subjects and they view themselves as an injection source of opinions. Brian Stelter, Laguna, uh, remembered it. Thanks, Laguna. Um, Brian Stelter, like they view themselves as sort of the injectors of public policy, injectors of public culture. And that was the one important thing that Trump did was de- delegitimize that. That's why they really hated him. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, that guy. Dude, these people are jokes, and 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 their ratings are trash. Like, if you watch them, um, they'll these people get like a hundred thousand, hundred and fifty thousand viewers. Like, Joe Rogan, every download of his show is like seventy-five million downloads, sixty million downloads. It's multiples like hundred times bigger than these like cable outlets and CNN's yeah. like played in every airport every hotel right it's played everywhere and nobody watches it it's only because of their stature and their position that they have authority from a sense of like buy-in and currency with the American people they have none like nobody actually listens to them even nobody
1: the, even the Noteboys boys got hits on the Trump video and then uh YouTube took it down I'm sorry, who? The Nelk Boys.
0: I don't, I don't, that doesn't ring a bell. What is that?
1: They're a group of podcasters. I guess they're like maybe in the early 20s, mid 20s.
0: Hmm. Okay. I haven't heard of them before. Maybe I've seen them. It's just not ringing a bell.
1: And they did a podcast with, uh, with Trump and then
0: YouTube took it down. Oh, oh, the recent guys.
1: Yeah. the yes. Nelk Boys.
0: I heard. Cause then somebody spread a rumor that he was going to go on Rogan and Rogan had to say that wasn't happening and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, these guys—they're like from Tallahassee.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I—I I, I do remember hearing this recently. I just didn't recognize the name.
1: Yeah, the milk Boys. So it's
0: a—it's a, is, it's a yeah, joke, it, man. It's a joke, yeah, it man. Is. And I'm—I'm I'm glad that he dele- delegitimized them for at least four years.
1: So you talk about criticizing President Trump. So what I want to get into now is how do you think he handled gun laws?
0: And I mean, gun we ca- safety and all. <clears throat> We kind of covered that already. The ATF, you know, ran roughshod during his tenure. They, um, they passed regulation on braces. They, I believe they passed uh, regulation on suppressors during his tenure, if I'm not mistaken. Let's double check, fact check me on that. I'm pretty sure they did a suppressor ban. And um, the red flag laws, man, those were, uh, he. Liter- I, like I mentioned before, he literally sat at that round table. Maybe it was after Parkland.
1: Yeah, it was after, a sh- uh, yeah, Valentine's Day, I believe.
0: Yeah, that was Parkland. I think it was after that. They did this, like, round table, and Chuck Schumer there, and he's like, take the guns first. He said, like, take the guns first, and we'll figure it out after, right? He was pushing red flag laws, which are, um, which are already uh, the law in many states, like New Jersey, which is the most horrendous possible thing you could think of. It'd be like saying, I call the police and say that Doug st- uh, robbed me, And the cops just come and go, all right, you're going to jail and you're just going to be in jail until like a judge shows like that's insane, right? Like there's, there's a, there's due process. Like you have to be arraigned and you have to be charged and arraigned. And like, there's a preponderance of evidence and they decide whether that's even enough to indict you. Then you go to court, right? And then you get an attorney provided to you. If so, if so needed, Um, and you get a chance to make your case to a jury of your peers. And then a judge, even if you're proven guilty or adjudicated guilty, a judge then gets deference to decide on parameters of a sentence, right? There's all of this due process that occurs, all this flexibility, all this context, and this is saying, like, just execute the guy first and we'll worry about the justice after. Um, let's steal all of his property and then we'll figure out whether something actually happened. That's the most egregious thing I could ever think of. It's a complete suspension of every, like, natural and constitutional right that you have as a human being. And I think it's abominable. And we've normalized it and, reguli- re- you know, made it regular um, by virtue of the emotion of pro- of progressive voices. And... Trump repeated it, man. So it's like I sometimes um, omission or inaction is as bad as action. And I dare say that both braces and suppressors were further regulated by the ATF under his watch. He could have fired people. He could have been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not doing that. If you do that, I'm going to I'm just going to fire everyone at the ATF. He could have he could have tried. He could have gone out publicly and said, this is what I would have done. Hey, uh, we're going to abolish the ATF because they're pointless. And all they do is go around you know, shooting dogs and robbing people. Let's just abolish them right now. Um, Let's push the Republican legislature to push through a bill and put something through that I'll sign. And maybe you won't abolish them. Maybe you'll take away a quarter of their funding. Maybe you'll delegitimize some of their powers. Something, right? Something progressive in the sense of like incrementally increasing our rights and shrinking government, not progressive in the liberal like modern orthodoxy. Um, but none of that happened, right? Like the, these federal agencies were running roughshod doing all of this nonsense during his tenure. And maybe he didn't like actually call them up and say, please ban this, but he watched it happen and didn't do anything to stop it. And he called for red flag laws. So am I saying that he's as bad as a Bloomberg or, or an, an Obama or, or, or like a, 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 assault weapons ban during Clinton? Like, okay, no, he, he wasn't that direct. But he was—he tacitly supported a lot of this stuff, and I—I I didn't care for that.
1: All right, Dan. Before I let you go, you got any final thoughts?
0: No, man, look, man, I, I appreciated you reaching out. I'm glad like, you are like what this organization I have is all about. We became friends because of this yeah. meeting on the street, just like all these other people. Happy to come on here uh, any other time. Follow me on Twitter, DFrancisco7, and we have a, a fun announcement for what's going to be happening with our political race in New Jersey in the next uh, week or so.
1: All right, thanks, Dan. It was a pleasure. We'll definitely set something up in the future again. Maybe we'll have more people on, discuss something, have a nice debate.
0: That'd be awesome, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Dan.